0: We wanna take a moment to thank Garmin for their very generous support of our yearly habits challenge and fundraiser. Enthusiasm is common, endurance is rare, and Garmin leads the way by creating superior products that are engineered on the inside for life on the outside, right in our backyard in Cochrane, Alberta, which is where product development is done on many of the devices that you know and love. Like us, Garmin believes in making the most of the time you spend pursuing your passions. And with their help, we want to help you power your potential all year long.
1: Fast Forward Productions, the women are speaking.
0: What is the most valuable thing that you've learned in this process of business ownership?
1: I would say that it's we're playing the long game. And like these acute changes in expenses or changes in income, it's not a big deal. You just have to, you kind of have to look at the trend, just like we always say with body weight like the ups and downs that you see month to month or you know spending a little bit more one month it's not a big deal but the overall trend is what matters.
0: Hey everyone, Meredith here. This is the Afternoon Snack Podcast. On today's episode, we are going to talk all about the back end of our businesses. We're going to pop the hood on what goes into starting a business from the ground up, what goes into starting a sister business with a larger investment. We're going to talk about the literal cost of running business and then the time cost that goes into it. If you are someone who also runs a business, this will probably sound very familiar and hopefully be very validating. If you are someone who is thinking of starting a business or working for yourself, these are a lot of the things that would have been helpful for us to know at the beginning. So we'll get right into it.
1: I am currently wearing complete fleece from head to toe. And you are dressed up like you're ready to go out for dinner. You even have jewelry on. Yeah. And it makes me
0: feel better on my work days to get dressed like I'm going <laughs> to work You did. Sometimes. You like came
1: down, you're dressed up. Yeah. And it made me feel very frumpy. That's... Did I change? No.
0: I was going to say that sounds like a you problem. <laughs> I mean, to each their own. Are you comfortable? I am comfortable. I mean, I don't own very many, like, uncomfortable clothes. So even my nice clothes are comfortable clothes.
1: Yeah. I mean, did you look at my pants? I did. They are flowy. But they're not as flowy as my polka-dotted fleece pajama pants. You mean the ones that are so flowy that they fall down? Yeah. When you put something in the pocket? (laughs) Yeah. Mm. But anyways, I just thought I'd paint a picture for our listeners. Yeah, I look great. And Alex looks like she just woke up. Yeah. Okay, so... I wanted to ask you if you remember when we first had the money talk. What is the money talk? The money talk is like when you when you meet someone and you're like, things are getting serious. Okay, so like
0: how much money do you have?
1: Yeah. I mean, we met when we were like 28. Yeah. So that's like an age where like finances become more important. I do would say see- it's not like we were 22, like getting out of university. Yeah. Do you ever think about, as an aside, how
0: random it is that we met and we fell in love and we also happen to be around the same age, like a year apart? No. Okay. Well, sometimes I think about that. Not that there's anything wrong with an age gap, but, you know, the odds are that you're going to meet someone
1: who's like not your age, but we are very close in age. Do you think there's some sort of thing where, well, actually, now that I say this, I feel like biology is not in our in our human favor to meet someone our own age except maybe if we're two women mm. because men are more attracted to younger women because they're more reproductively fertile. viable yeah and then women tend to be more attracted to like that's why I like touch of gray like an older man do they yes touch of gray it shows like that they're going to be a good okay like father okay like you know touch of gray is like wisdom and they have like age on their side I learned this in biological psychology.
0: okay. So, okay. This is not an opinion. No, no,
1: no, this isn't. Okay. I have been out of university for over 10 years now, so the science may have changed, but this is my understanding.
0: It also could be revisionist history. Go on.
1: Okay. Well, it was from a textbook, so. But we're both female. So, like, our biology is broken? (laughs) So, (laughs) if we're not attracted to an older spouse because we're not looking for male, Uh then we would be looking for someone fertile.
0: I don't know. I'm gonna be really honest. I think that science is bullshit. Okay. And I think it I think that panders to like patriarchal standards where like older men are seen as like the most valued members of society. I don't know. I don't
1: like Okay, I feel you. Let's move on. Okay. I don't think it's random that we met and we're the same age. Okay. I think that people generally meet when they're around the same age because they're in the same like circles, they have similar interests. Yeah. That sort of thing. Okay. That's fair. Okay. Yeah. I don't think I would have fallen in love with someone who's 22. No. Or someone who's like 45. Cause like. Different life. Yeah. Different different phases in life. Yeah. I think I would definitely be more likely to fall in love with someone who's 45 than 22. Mommy vibes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah. I think so. I mean, I've like met younger individuals. And I'm just, nope. nope, I'm like, was I like that? (laughs) Like I skipped that part of my life, right? It wasn't that way. Was
1: I? (laughs) Okay. But anyways, when did we have the money talk? Well, this whole time I've been
0: thinking, I don't remember having a money talk with you.
1: I don't either. The other day we were talking about how we were doing long distance for a while. Yeah. And you were saying how you used to travel to come see me because I was working and I couldn't really travel. And you were just getting like more and more poor.
0: 'Cause I wasn't working. I was doing some coaching at that time and then I wasn't coaching because I was planning on going back to work and then I met you and so I was like I literally like <laughs> looked at my savings account and was like, Yeah, I can probably make this work. But every trip, yeah, would just watch it go down. I
1: don't remember even thinking about the amount of money. You didn't think about that? No, but it was also like I had just graduated from school and was finally making my own money and paying for my own apartment. Like right, right. as an adult. So I think that was like the first time I'd really even like Thought of it, and I hadn't really grasped like what being an adult costs. Yeah, so I don't. We never really talked about money, and then we started doing the same job because we started tactic. Yeah, and then we just started making the same amount. Well,
0: I think that's helpful. Yeah, because you don't have the wage discrepancy, and I know that causes issues for people in relationships where one person makes more than the other. It can make for a tricky relationship dynamic but i think more than
1: that it's probably like spending patterns yeah or even like yeah saving patterns and stuff less so about how much necessarily you're making yeah but i do think
0: there's this like big expectation for adults to just kind of like know how to manage money when i don't know about you but i didn't take a class on finances and really like it wasn't like money's just like not a thing that our parents really
1: talked about like our parents generation. Like no one really talked about it. I think the first time I really heard about money was my mom. When I got my first credit card, I don't even know how old I was. Like, I think they were paying for it, but they were insistent that I have a credit card or a debit card because it was important to build credit. And she was very, very clear on how you can go into debt with credit cards. And that's like, how a lot of people go into debt. And it was drilled into me to like not go into debt. And I think a lot of people maybe go into debt out of like necessity, but there are a lot of people in the world who go into debt because their spending habits don't match their income. Right. And that's not good. And I think my mom really wanted us to know that that's avoidable to some degree, which now I have a great fear of spending money. So thanks mom. (laughs) Yeah.
0: That really carried over into adulthood. I do think that some people conceptualize money in a different way, specifically like credit and you see this whenever you go to buy something online it shows you the finance option you can like finance through a firm and it's it's like six dollars a month
1: and so I, like, you I can just, finance <laughs> buying a 60 dollar hat i know online
0: so i just wonder how many people do that and just they think of everything or they think of a lot of the things in their life in terms of monthly payments instead of this is how much this thing costs mm-hmm. but then you just get eaten alive with like very high interest rates yeah that they don't show you but that's yeah the
1: banks always win so we kind of got lucky in terms of not really having to like have the talk of like okay i have this much money you make this much money and figuring that out it just kind of like naturally happened and we got lucky yeah but we didn't get lucky in the fact that like my spending habits were very different than yours and not in a bad way like i said like i was coming out of law school so i'd been in school for the time that you were working so you had had a job for like five years and I was just graduating from law school. Mm. So I was like still on my parents' payroll. Like I I was on a full scholarship in university and then my dad paid for my law school. That was like a deal that I made with him, but also I just told him and he agreed because I'm spoiled. Yeah. That does sound spoiled. But yeah, as soon as I got a job, I was off his payroll. And then that's when we met. And so I don't, I didn't really have a concept, like I said, of spending or saving I just knew like it was not good to spend too much money. And so I skimped on everything. But no one ever explained to you like, what does that mean? Yeah. And so every time I spent money, and this was even growing up when I would like buy my own things. Yeah. It was very anxiety inducing to like buy my own clothing. Yeah. Like buy a nice pair of jeans, buy a new phone.
0: I love like hearing this story and then going back to hearing about the like, or thinking about the shopping trip that you took the year before you started your articling. At Blake's. Yeah. And how you guys went to like Holt or wherever you yeah. went. And you know, you're just gonna get the basics, they'll last forever, no big deal. You're just gonna spend ten percent of your net worth on
1: clothes. Okay. It's gonna be fine. In her defense though, it's not bad logic because I did need to look decent for my work. Mm. But it just so happens that I only needed those clothes for a year. Yeah. But I did wear them a lot. Mm. It was good to have basics because you could repeat. By the end of that year, I was wearing all my most comfortable outfits. Yeah. Just on repeat. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. So I I think I still struggle a little bit with spending. And that transfers over to the business as well. But you're more like, you had been spending and saving and like figuring out your budget for five years. Plus you had already been in a relationship. Sorry to bring that up. But like, you just had more experience with that, I think. So you kind of came in and you were like, Alex, what couch are you on? Like, what is this couch? You're like, I don't know. The guy left it in the apartment when I rented the apartment. Yeah. Like, the table, off. like you couldn't sit in some of the chairs. Because they were about to break. Yeah. And I didn't want to buy anything. Yeah. Even you would buy me presents. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, she just spent money on this. And then going on vacations. Like anytime we, going out for dinners. I'm pretty sure you cried one time when the bill came. I did. Mm-hmm. And you, yeah, yeah. So I think you were like kind of surprised. And then when we moved into our new house, furniture.
0: I was like, what are we just not gonna have furniture? And, and I, was I was like, well, yeah. A couch shouldn't call. You can get a couch for less than $2,000. I was like, all right. Well, you can. Mm-hmm. And then you can get another one three years later when you have to replace it.
1: Yeah. Anyway, anyways, I think we're better. At least we understand each other's spending habits a bit more and they're not that far off no but it still is like money is a taboo topic
0: yeah like the only thing i remember ever being said to me when i was young and like i didn't come from a lot of money was you know my dad said you need to start investing early because he started investing late or like saving for retirement and that was probably circumstantial too i mean single parent with two kids like i think his priority was getting food on the table a lot of the time but yeah, I remember that. And so I was like, hey, saving. So when I was working for Biogen, they did like a 401k match. And I was always I maxed out the 401k match. I always maxed out the number of like restricted stocks that I could purchase every quarter. So I was like, I just knew that that needed to happen. So yeah, that's been a pattern or a habit that I've had for a long time. And then, you know, to the extent that you're able living under your means just a little bit or a lot bit, depending on how you are. And yeah, start saving early and often. That's it. I do spend a little bit more money than you do, though.
1: Yeah. And you don't think about your purchases as much as me. No, I don't let them give me nightmares. <laughs> you do. You still do. There are certain things I buy and I have no, there's no issue. Sports equipment and stuff. I can buy that stuff easily. And I don't think twice about it. Yeah. But other things like, I mean, when you came and you had some of your kitchen stuff that you had spent money on. It was I nice. was like, but why? Because it's nice. Yeah. And
0: nice stuff lasts a long time. Yeah. Yeah. I think the shift with that attitude into owning a business has been interesting. Yeah. So let's talk about
1: the topic today.
0: Yeah. So we get like people ask, and I'm not saying that, you know, some people say like, you know, people ask and they mean that like no one asks. They just want to talk about it. We actually like, we do have people ask how we got into doing what we're doing and about business stuff. And so we wanted to do a podcast where we kind of like, pop the hood on the business a little bit. Yeah, because we've talked about how everyone knows how we got into this.
1: Yeah. But we're going to get into like, yeah, the back end.
0: The nitty gritty, the details, if you're interested. So we have essentially two businesses and one started ground up. And then the second one has started with a kind of a larger investment in startup cost as a sister company to the original company. So we kind of have two different experiences, and the costs and the structures are different. So yeah, the two businesses that we own are Tactic Nutrition. That's the one that most people know. That's the one that we started in 2018, and then this year we incorporated a new business called Tactic Fitness. And I think probably if you didn't know that it's its own business, you may just think that it's you know a spinoff and operating under Tactic. But we set it up as its own incorporated company you know and, and that's partially so that down the road we have more flexibility with what we can do with both companies and then you know if someone comes in and they're like we want to buy tactic fitness for 20 million dollars $1 million.
1: $1 million? Oh, i was just quoting oh you were doing was, austin powers yeah you didn't do the pinky i yeah but i was petting my cat oh, okay I it, so i feel like i don't remember the cat's name but or is anyways. it one billion i think it's one billion. Oh, that makes more sense yeah And I feel like that's what Tactic is worth. So that works better too. Honestly, priceless.
0: But yeah, we incorporated a second company. And then both of those companies are held by a holding company. So we have three companies, the holding company, and then that company holds Tactic Nutrition and Tactic Fitness. What's under the umbrella of operations? So obviously, both individual companies, the Instagram right now, which is shared for both of those companies, the two email lists, this podcast that you're listening to, the video content, all of that kind of falls under the like business operations and things that have to be managed within the running of those two companies. So I think when most people start a remote company, especially coaching or fitness, you're also starting a marketing and a media company, essentially, if you're gonna use social media as your kind of like client funnel.
1: And what better people to start a marketing And media company than two people with absolutely no experience in marketing or media. Hey, you know what? Here we are. Yeah. There's
0: actual like talent agencies for people like us who get their start on social media and then just become like, maybe you'll see us in a commercial one day. That exists. Really? Yeah. They call it organic talent. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. So would we be actors? Yeah. Actors, personalities, like people, they have managers for podcasts, for podcast appearances. Huh. YouTube, things like that. Yeah, organic talent. I think that's a good way to sum if up. If I do say so myself. I'm organically talented. No, but I mean, in a lot of that, like you don't just flip a switch and do that overnight. Like you do it slowly over time. But, I, you know, it's a lot. And there's costs kind of associated with everything. So Tactic Nutrition was really low budget. So again, that's the one that started in 2018. And
1: then as it grew... So to, to back up, starting Tactic, Nutrition essentially cost us $1,000 because that was what it cost at the time for me to incorporate while I was still working at Blake's. It was like my last project. You were our lawyer. I wasn't actually, but I had my mentor help. Yeah. And or do it. I was helping her. Yeah. As you do (laughs) to the degree that I could. (laughs) And so that was the cost for incorporation, which made us official. And then I think we did a photo shoot for the website and then the website. So, actually it was more than a 1000, probably $2000, yeah, to start up and get everything going. And we got a bang and
0: deal on the website.
1: And we, we mean, got a pretty good deal on the photos too. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that's 2000 Canadians. So that's funny money. Remember? I don't know what that is in
1: US, but probably like 15, yeah, 1500. So
0: pretty low cost like from a startup standpoint. And then we were kind of off and running. We didn't spend a lot of money in the first year. It was just like The website was there. We were at the time using Zen Planner to manage memberships, which if you've been to CrossFit gyms, maybe you're familiar with that platform. I don't even know why we picked that. I think if you're one of our OG clients, you're still in Zen Planner. Yeah, because we um, haven't gotten rid of that yet. And that was really also really budget at the time. I think it was like $135 a month to use Zen Planner. So like very, very low cost. And we were on that website in that system until 2021, I think. Yeah. And then with the evolution in the growth of the business, we've seen like we sort of evolve our technology. So we're jumping ahead. Like for the first three years, mostly it was all like written content on Instagram, blog content, photos, no camera stuff, no video. Like that was before reels were a thing, I think. And so it was really affordable to be on the internet. And then... I think I remember buying a camera because I wanted a camera. And I was like, oh, it'll be great to shoot some photos of our own.
1: And I was like, okay, fine. You can use the business account. I yeah. think you did.
0: Huh. But that was like a thing. It was. I bought a Sony a6400, which is just a nice camera, but it's not like super high end. And I used it like a little bit for photos, but, you know, mostly just kind of sat there. And then the video thing started taking off around like 2021. Like, we started seeing more videos pop up. So I was like, okay, I'll I'll learn how to shoot videos on the Sony. And I did that. And then the first video I shot, I had no idea how to edit it. I didn't even know how to get it off the camera. And then once I did get it off the camera and onto my 2015 MacBook Pro, (laughs) it, like, the computer just wasn't good enough to handle video editing. So that sort of began the saga of upgrading hardware. Started with my laptop.
1: Yeah. And then I think at that point, like... I mean, it's tough because it wasn't until about two years in when we hired Lindsay and we started upgrading some of our like equipment, like technology to run the business that we had basically been just making money. Like every client that came in was ours. So we, you know, are making 100% of that. And then our like overhead cost was fairly low because we only had so many clients. So our like, Processing fees were lower, it just there wasn't as much time going into admin and that sort of thing. I didn't like there was no invoicing, there was no like extra work, yeah, and then when we hired Lindsay, I think that was kind of our first form of delegation, if you think about it. It's like someone who's going to take clients, yeah, and then figuring out like what the breakdown is for coaches, and that's tricky too, because I mean, we had come from a company that we were coaching for, so we knew what breakdown we were making there, yeah, but we didn't know like why. And so we kind of just went with what we thought was fair, which is the majority of it was going to Lindsay Yeah, as much, you know, we kind of were like, we want to make a bit, but we also want to cover the cost to some degree. So we actually started with our coaches at a higher commission rate our earlier coaches. Yeah. And once that happened, I think that's the first time I really started thinking about our business in terms of that old saying, which is like, spend money to make money. Which is true. It really is true. But like how much money do you need to spend? How much money like do you make for each dollar that you spend? And I I think with a business, it depends on the business and it depends, it always just depends.
0: Yeah. And I think there are a lot of people out there who go about it kind of the backwards way. And specifically with content creation on social media, like some people would DM and ask about our like our camera setup. And I'll, you know, I'll tell them. And if you were to Google our like our equipment setup. It's like an astronomical amount of money. But I also see people who just go buy equipment that is that nice or even nicer, but they haven't built the following. They haven't even built the habit of like posting content on a regular basis. Like the foundation isn't there. So it's kind of like, you know, I'm gonna build it and they will come. Yeah. Instead of like, well, doing what, what we did, which was start out really budget on everything. Like put in the repetitions, make sure that it, number one is something that you like doing and that's going to pay off. And then when you're like, Hey, this is working. And I'm also enjoying doing this kind of work. Then you start to upgrade your equipment.
1: Yeah. And we just moved. So when we were cleaning out the office, I was looking at some of the old stuff that we (laughs) use. Yeah. Like even the stands, like the little tiny malleable tripods that we would put our phones Uh on. I was like, this is a toy Yeah, or some of the old like mics or even some of the old mics that we had for our podcast. I know. Like we got all that podcast equipment through like a client. Yeah, we got it on a deal. It was like, I think like 250 bucks And total. I was like, I went into a tizzy yeah. about that amount. And partially because I was like a little bit cool on the idea of a podcast. Yeah. So I was like, I can't believe you spent this much money on something I'm not even sure about. Obviously, it's working out. <laughs> and we've since upgraded twice, I think. No, not twice. Well, you bought that one mic, the third mic.
0: Yeah. But again, that was a budget mic and it was awful and it never really worked with our setup. Yeah.
1: And so whenever we had Lindsay on the podcast, she was like in the background because it didn't work. Yeah. Or one of us was in the background.
0: But to buy the headsets that we had at full price, I was like, I don't really want to buy that headset at full price, especially when I knew long term I didn't want headsets.
1: Yeah. So... Yeah, it really was very budget starting out. And oh man, I remember that one time, I guess it was last year even. Okay, so I had a really old laptop from basically I had gotten it the beginning of law school. And I'm like a pretty gentle user with technology because I use only the basics. And I remember I had the cover for my- Oh, you had that disgusting keyboard (laughs) (laughs) content. What, who uses this? But it did lengthen the life of, I, I- There were no crumbs in that keyboard. No, there wouldn't be. And so anyways, finally, I upgraded my laptop. And I think I got like the very cheap, like Air. Do you remember that? Well, Airs aren't cheap. Well, it wasn't like the, compared to what your computer cost.
0: Yeah, it wasn't a, it's not a MacBook Pro. It's just like a middle of the road Mac Air.
1: And then not, what was it, four months later? Yeah. I was traveling. Well,
0: you bought it at Best Buy and then they were trying to get you to get Geek Squad coverage. And you were like, no, that's okay. I'll just set up Apple Care when I get home. And then you never set up Apple Care. And then we went to Denver and you put your water bottle in your backpack and it opened up and ruined your laptop that didn't have Apple Care on it.
1: Yeah. And the problem with the job that we do, which is like a daily job, I need my laptop. Like I can't just get by. And so that day we basically had to drive from the airport when I discovered I had ruined my laptop to the mall, to the Apple store and buy a laptop.
0: And it was like, can you replace this laptop? And they are like, well, we don't have the uh, M1 chip MacBook Air, in, but we do have the M2. And so you got a nice little upgrade on your laptop.
1: That was a horrible day. That was a lot of money in one day. That was nice. But it's just like the cost. There's no, oh, there's no other option. It was like, yeah. And then you were like, well, maybe you could get it fixed in Calgary. But I'm like, we're not going back to Calgary for a week. Yeah. It's you know what I mean? are just going to sit there and corrode. <laughs> <until> <laughs> so then. anyways, I think, yeah, there's some costs that you can't really avoid. Oh, yeah. It's kind of like life. Things come up and you have to be ready for it. But for the most part, we were pretty in control of our spending. Yeah. And we decided like we had an accountant, of course, for the first couple of years. And then it became very clear, probably because our accountant was getting tired of sifting through our descriptions and our bank accounts and stuff that she had us hire a bookkeeper. And that was only after you were like, I think my mom can do it. And literally your mom
0: sat in on a meeting and I was like, what are we doing? Yeah. I was like, we just need to hire a bookkeeper. Grow up
1: Peter Pan. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I feel like my mom could have been capable, but it's for the best. The bookkeeper knew what she was doing right away.
0: Yeah. But again, that's like $500 a month for bookkeeping.
1: Yeah. There's just, there was a lot of stuff that kind of came up. Yeah.
0: But it was over time. So, we'll talk about the hardware upgrades because I find that interesting. So, the podcast upgrades, you're listening to us on sure SMB7 microphones with gain boosters. We have the same mixer that didn't get upgraded, but the mics are a pretty significant upgrade. The mixer is a SoundCraft notepad. Yeah, it's a Harman Kardon 12FX. Yeah. But sure, these are super nice. These are mics that you just keep forever. So I feel like we'll be podcasting for a
1: long time. Oh, into our 80s at least.
0: I mean, you can turn on, they can do like amazing reverb. These are great vocal mics for musicians. So once I like start recording albums, I use this mic. (laughs) That's going to be great. They're very versatile. And then for a camera, I upgraded the Sony, the A6400, which I still have and I still use sometimes, to the Sony FX30, which is in their cinema line. Since we're doing mostly video content now. And I love that camera. It's great. It's like basically a Super 35. So it's a crop sensor. I looked at upgrading it recently to the FX3, which is the full sensor. And I forgot that that camera is like basically three times the cost. It's the exact same camera, except the sensor size. So I decided I didn't need that. That's and then the you bought like
1: one of those big lights. Oh yeah. I have invested in a few different lights. And then the studio light. We have a tripod and the a tripod. D- a, I got dongle. a Ridiculous. A dingle. What did you (laughs) dingle? That thing that holds the camera? Oh, a gimbal. A gimbal. (laughs) Yeah. Although the, whenever we go to like camera stores, I go in with her just to make sure she doesn't buy anything that we haven't agreed on. Yeah. Which she'll just go by herself. Whenever I'm out running, she'll say I went to the camera store and I bought this or something will arrive from Amazon or somewhere, (laughs) Uh like some sort of like Russian lens that just arrived at our house the other day. And. They always are telling us about the equipment and they're like talking to both of us, kind of looking back and forth at you and me. Yeah. And I want
0: to be like, you can just look at me.
1: (laughs) She doesn't know what any of this means. (laughs) Absolutely no interest. Yeah. I was really thinking I should figure it out. Yeah. It would make things a little bit easier, especially when I'm like, when you're doing the demos for the fitness, if I could be able to like set the camera up rather than you having to do it for both of us. Yeah. So maybe I'll commit to that. Okay. Yep. That'd be great. You're welcome.
0: So that's kind of been the hardware stuff. But again, like slowly, you just kind of collect things. The first big expense for Tactic was the rebranding that occurred in 2021. That we paid for obviously the design work. So the redesign of the brand itself, which if you remember the original brand, you probably can recognize like some subtle differences in the shape. And then like the colors are obviously different. And then a new website platform. So we went from a WordPress site to Shopify. And then we got a custom Shopify site made. And then obviously like custom branding and logos and stuff. So that was in total, I think around $10,000 with the branding work and the website itself cost around like 5000 or $6,000 to do. that was a big expense. But the rebranding was awesome because it really helped sort of like soften the brand a little bit because our messaging had been going that way anyways. And you know, most of the people that we work with are not athletes, but when you went on our old webpage, it just looked like a company for only athletes. And so the goal and the mission with the new website and the new brand was to make it look more true to the people who we work with and we serve. And you were like, I remember the branding specifically, you were like, wait, what?
1: Yeah. And I think, I mean, even for all of that stuff, and even still, we try to hire small local businesses not dissimilar to our size to keep costs down and keep like communication high we've never really hired like big big companies i mean even from a law firm standpoint I mean, we tried hiring a couple lawyers from like bigger companies and ended up finding our lawyer recently that is from a very small firm and that's been a lot better for yeah. us and you know they work in conjunction with our accountant and it it just it's a little bit easier we have found in our experience that we've had luck with smaller companies, and I think that helps to keep the cost a little bit on the lower side as well.
0: Yeah, and people who work for small companies tend to work in a slightly different way mm-hmm. than large companies. Let's talk about delegation a little bit. <laughs> Did you know Garmin has a whole line of devices designed to help you live your most active and healthy life? And many of those devices are developed and tested in Canada, right here in our backyard in Cochrane, Alberta. Smart activity trackers, fashion smart watches, smart scales, running and adventure watches. Garmin has everything you need to keep track of your fitness, improve your strength, monitor your sleep, and see how all of those things can create a better you. Choose your healthiest life. Choose Garmin. The way that we conceptualize delegation, or I should say I, because I think I do a better job at this than you do, although you're coming around. <laughs> is if you're spending time doing things in your business that aren't adding value to your business, if you are the person who adds value to the business, but you're spending your time in the business doing things that you could outsource, and then with the time that you get back, add more value and make more money through the business, that's how I decide what to delegate. So essentially, it allows people to use their superpowers, whatever that is for you, which can be a lot of different things. So the accounting. example. Oh, okay.
1: Bookkeeping.
0: Yeah. That's like number one. Yeah. Because I was taking so much time. Yeah. Legal work, coaching. We've already talked about like we can't coach everyone who wants to work for us. So we delegate that to coaches who we vet and hire and who meet our extremely high standards. We're starting to delegate some admin. We're delegating some program design for the fitness company with this podcast. We hired a production company a little over a year ago to do the editing and hosting of that. So that's off of our plate because that can be quite tedious. And so that just allows us to focus more on content creation, recording a podcast, working with clients, for you doing the admin things that you enjoy doing and you're good at. I think
1: I like customer service. I like it when people reach out and they get me. Yeah. And I care the most. I care more than any of our coaches so I try to do a really good job with new people coming in, inquiries, like whenever there's like an issue and somebody wants to switch with a coach or they aren't getting the right service or whatever it may be, like I want to be the one to handle that. And that's just I just have some control issues, but that's just something that's important to me. And then like in terms of delegation, I would also add delegation outside of the business that I've kind of come around to. So for example, we, I mean, it was a big issue in our household, the cleaning, like I for many years was like, no, we're not spending money on a house cleaner. Yeah. And so we would do it. And, it, you know, it's a, it's a few hours a week, really. And we would fight about it every single time. Every single, so that adds another couple of hours. Yeah. And it was only we hired a house cleaner two months ago. And that has been really nice.
0: And we were at one point outsourcing meal prep, like we mm-hmm. were doing a meal prep
1: company. At one point, we tried grocery delivery, which that didn't last long. I didn't like grocery delivery. I would have stayed with that. I like that being able to pick my... Nanners? My nanners. Yeah. Fair. You don't know what you're going to get with grocery li- You don't know what you're not going to get. Yeah. And then you end up going to the store anyways to pick up the one thing that they didn't have. I mean, you can provide instructions. It's like, what do you want me to do if this item is out of stock? I want you to go to the Safeway.
0: <laughs> I want you to go to the next door over. <laughs> yeah,
1: actually 30 though. Minutes to your I want you to call my mom and see if she can drop something off later today. Yeah. I don't know. I don't mind the grocery shopping aspect, but yeah.
0: But I mean, delegation in life and in business, if you can do it, just allows you to do more of what grows the business or what you enjoy doing with your free time. Yes. And that's a big one. Because what's the point of working so hard
1: if you don't have any free time? Because you got to clean your dang house. I mean, even things like think about (laughs) our life. And we've mentioned the home gym. That was a pretty big investment for us. And that has saved so much time especially during a work day, to be able to spend more time on the business. Yeah. I mean, commuting to a gym, well, not necessarily in, in Fernie, but in Calgary, I mean, you're taking out like an hour to, to sometimes two hours out of your day. And even like a home gym, as silly as this sounds, as nitty as this is, even the setup is easier. Yeah. It takes half the time to set up because you're not walking 50 feet to go get a new plate every yeah. time you need one. It sounds silly. But it does save a lot of time in the long run. And you can go down and get a workout in in the middle of the day and you get like a legitimate workout in. Yeah. And you're only gone for an hour. Yeah. It's very convenient.
0: I mean, we've talked about how important the home gym was to our business
1: before. That was good. That made us a lot of money. We spent money to make money. I mean,
0: you're spending money to get your time back. Yeah. And And time time is, is money. Time is money. So the platforms that we use for the two businesses that are online And the cost associated with those. We use Shopify for tactic nutrition and merchandise. And Shopify is expensive to use. I think that was like the biggest hesitation. And when we were going that way, we had a bunch of people say like, oh, Shopify is expensive, but it's so easy. It's so user-friendly. It's not buggy. It just works. And it looks really nice. And I think if all you're doing is selling memberships and merch, that's the way to go. Like, It's a really great e-commerce site. For the fitness program, we decided to go with a WordPress site which is a bit more of a headache from a design standpoint, but more customizable for hosting content and making it work really well on mobile devices because you can almost make a really well designed WordPress site work like an app, which was kind of what we were going for. Cause you know, maybe we do an app one day, but apps are just like very expensive to do right out of the gate. And then the site for the fitness also cost around $6,000 to build and design. And then the design work. Yeah. So I guess they're around the same cost for the the fitness website as the nutrition one, around 10000 total. We do merchandise and it's kind of funny. Every time we do merchandise, I'm like, God, I hate merchandise. I mean, I like it. I I really like when people wear our stuff. But merchandise is such a headache if you're not an apparel company. Because we just have, we have no system in place for that other than one of our closets in our condo is the merch closet, and it's kind of organized,
1: but yeah, every time. It's organized until Meredith goes in and tries to find something, and then it becomes very chaotic. Yeah. Well. But yes, it's all stacked into one pile, so I have to know where everything is. Yeah. And then the when system. we get something new and people buy it, it does take quite a long time to package all of those packages up. Yeah. Yeah. But it is exciting. I like seeing our brand on people's bodies. I do too.
0: Yeah. And I think with merchandise, like we probably break even. I don't think we make any money on apparel, maybe slowly over time, but it's definitely not a money Because you end up sitting
1: on inventory too, which I hate. Well, I mean... It's part of it. I know.
0: I remember that. So we used to do pre-sales. Oh my gosh. (laughs) We used to do pre-sales because we weren't in a place to like spend a bunch of money on merch and not be able to get it back. So we would just pre sell sweaters and t-shirts and stuff. And we did this big presale and I had designed this logo and I really liked it. And I think we had two designs and I was working with this printer out of Vancouver because they get print on this particular brand of shirts that I like. And the guy was really like communicative at first. I sent him the designs. He's like, you know, he sent me back the quote or whatever with the mock-up and then I was like, all right, awesome. And so then I announced it and you know, it took people's money Through That was, I think, through Shopify. We had the Shopify side up. And then I was like, hey, screen printer in Vancouver, here are our numbers for our pre-orders. Crickets. And so I let a day or two go by, emailed again. I was like, hey, it's me. I just wanted to make sure that you got our numbers for this order. We did run a pre-sale, so I just I want to know what the ETA is once you order from the
1: supplier. I feel like, didn't you call him once and he picked up? And then said that the T-shirts hadn't come in yet and they were ordered or they had them in stock. Something really weird.
0: Yep. To basically just like shut us up. I guess, yeah. And then I did talk to him at some point. And then at some point in the future, he stopped answering the phone and stopped responding to emails and essentially just like ghosted us.
1: This was one of the most stressful experiences early on because more than anything, we wanted to be running a very tight ship. I remember even starting out, like when we started our business we didn't release any announcements until the website looked perfect, until we were ready to announce something that looked legitimate. Yeah. And we've always wanted to be legitimate and something that people would trust. Yes. And never be like, mm, this is a hoax or like I don't trust them. Or you know what I mean? Yeah. So like that's part of customer service is being like very, very trustworthy and communicative and responsive. And to me, this was like the opposite of that. Like having to say to your customers like, we need to refund you because these t-shirts aren't coming in. And like, it was to no fault of our own. I guess maybe we shouldn't have done a pre-sale with a new apparel company, printing company. I don't know how you avoid something like that besides like going through it and learning it. But that was very stressful. And everyone was very understanding, understanding, but it was, it seemed like the end of the world
0: in the moment. I don't like being that person. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like when an experience like that is associated with us,
1: yeah, and like, and that costs you money because every time you run, and we'll talk about this shortly, but every time you run a payment, there's a cost associated with that. And so, like, having to refund however many purchases there were, probably like closer to sixty, gets a little bit costly. Since we're on the topic, I would say the most stressful experience as a business owner I've ever had was having to let go of a coach that was carrying a client load. And it wasn't working out. And we had to do that a few times, actually. The first time, I'm not sure I've ever had something so stressful in my life. So not only like having to say that to somebody and let them go was so stressful, which I remember like being on the phone and like nothing came out of my mouth and then just like pointing at you Oh yeah, to be like, you have to do it. And then you did. And I was like, oh, thank goodness for Meredith. But then having to tell the clients that their coach was no longer going to be working for tactic and putting them in a position to like, you know, say, I'm going to stay on board and switch coaches. I think early on, it was a little bit tricky because we just didn't know how it was going to go. And we had to draft up all the language for each client and make sure that they felt comfortable with what was going on because we're a relationship based company and the coaches is independent with their clients. Yep. And so the coach and the client develops a strong relationship. And so it's very difficult to have to say to that client, like, hey, you're going to have to move coaches if you want to stay with us. And that was stressful. And then it happened again. And we were just in a much better position for it. Yeah. And we just knew how to handle it a bit better overall
0: on all fronts. Like unsurprisingly, most of the clients choose to stay with tactic. Yeah,
1: Yeah, thankfully. But it is difficult. It is difficult to repair all those clients with a new coach. Yeah. But for the best, for the best. Takes time. A lot of this comes down to time cost. You always get the one client who gets very upset, but you just try to be understanding and see where they're coming from and try to make it work best for everybody in the end. Yeah.
0: Let's move on to, I mean, we talk about payment processing. Like that's, there are some definite like hidden expenses or costs that you don't think about. And payment processing is probably the biggest one you don't think about. And I remember seeing this early on on like a, Bluefin statement or whatever was running through (laughs) Zen Planner, you see the number and you're like, wait, what? Like you, when you're signing all these contracts for online, for payment processing systems, you're seeing percentages like, okay, like, you know, 2.7% to run credit cards plus, you know, 30 cents or 50 cents per transaction. And you don't really understand what that means until you see it scaled up and across all of the charges that occur in a month. Like it costs a ton of money to run credit cards. And then if you allow, if you take Amex, like Amex is even more expensive. If you take PayPal, which we do, there's a cost to using third-party processors like PayPal. But like ultimately, you want it to be easy for people and that you want them to use a system that they know. But yeah, man, that's like significant. And then business insurance is also a gigantic cost. I mean, that's like many thousands of dollars a year. But like, you got to have it. And I know like probably a lot of people don't have business insurance and it's just like, what are you doing? You're putting yourself in such a liable
1: position. It's worth it for peace of mind, even if you don't end up having to use it.
0: Well, I mean, you're dealing with people, you know, you're entering into therapeutic relationships. Hopefully you're not giving medical advice.
1: Like that's made very clear on all of our liability waivers. I mean, even now when we got insurance for our fitness program, like a lot of that cost is due to the fact that it's an online business and you're dealing with people's like private information. Yep. So you have to protect yourself in case something were to happen with that. Yep. And I'm sure like Shopify and some of those payment processors have their own insurance that we're covered under to that degree, but you still, you just don't want to run any risks.
0: Yeah, you don't want to be underinsured no. from a business standpoint. But hey, you don't think about that until you, <laughs>
1: no. you get business I was like, hey, do we need business insurance? <laughs> I was like, yep, we do. Yeah. It's funny, even for like, I didn't think it would be that much for something that wasn't brick and mortar, but it actually I think ends up being more expensive due to the fact that it's internet-based. And I was trying to figure out why it was so expensive for our fitness, and I kept asking the question, and I was like, oh yeah, because it's it's online. It's website-based. I'm like, oh man,
0: dang. But anyways, got to do it. You got to do it. We're fundraising right now. If you don't know, we're running our Habits Challenge, which is also a fundraiser. So there's the time cost there because we don't recoup any of that cost from, you know, getting it set up. So many people have questions about it. What is it? You're answering that. You're making content for it. You're helping people get signed up because it's the internet and it's people and they make mistakes. You're helping people who can't find the ebook. <laughs> there's a ton of time that goes into this. There's a lot of people
1: who don't know that they need to scroll up to their cart to check out. There's I don't know how many probably just. I, don't know. <laughs> I
0: changed that page so
1: many times to try to make it.
0: Like, so easy. And it just... It doesn't matter. How many messages did you get that were like, there's a glitch. Yeah. Hundreds. With your brain, there is. Uh, I mean, it's a (laughs) third-party page, so it's not... Yeah. It doesn't behave like the rest of our website, so I get it. But at the same time, I'm like, just problem-solve a little bit. Yeah. Scroll up. But There's going to be something in your cart. I mean, I say that when my sister was one of them, so... (laughs) There were a lot of smart people who are. It's okay. I I understand it's like... It was partially the the website. I mean,
1: I will admit... There was a moment where I was like, huh? It's not working. And I was like, oh, yeah. Scroll to the So top. I guess my brain, it was, you know, it was a good learning. opportunity.
0: It wasn't. It's not intuitive. And <laughs> yeah. that's not something that I have control over. But most people figured it out. And then the whole like, well, I selected 20, but it's only charging me. I'm like, it's because it's Canadian dollars and you're in America. Yeah. But anyways, there's a lot of that. And we don't take anything from that. So that's a giving your time away kind of thing.
1: And then that's the one that you feel the best about. I do feel good about that. That one is that gives back in other ways as well. It does. We were recently in Philly Mm -hmm.
0: and we talked about our first in-person event. And I think when any business does an in-person event, like you're coming out of pocket for something, you know, for us, we always do a coaches dinner and we got to do more coaches this time, which is awesome, you know, but then we were doing bagels and you're kind of, you know, funding the experience a little bit. And that's the cost of quality time. And great in-person customer service and just like facilitating connection. And I think there was a time, Alex, where you would not have been okay
1: with spending that amount of money. No, I don't know. I will straight up, I'll just admit it. Like I came into this thinking it was all like we just made money. And that's why we're kind of doing this podcast because I frankly didn't think of all the cost. Even Philly, was like, then we'll do, you know, we'll do shakeout run. We'll get bagels. and other. I'm not even thinking about the cost. Yeah. And then you get the bill or you figure out how much bagels cost when you're ordering however many Four we dozen. got. <laughs> and it, you know, it adds up and traveling alone is costly and it's fine. Like it's fine. But at first for someone like me, who is a little bit more conservative with spending, that can be a little bit anxiety inducing and stressful. But then I look back on everything that we have spent or everything that we have to spend to keep the business moving. And it's all been worth it. Yeah. And it's, thankfully for us all worked out. And I think part of that is that we are smart. We're not just spending freely on Philly and going all in. Like it was our first in-person event. We didn't know how many people were going to show up. We didn't know how it was going to go. So like, you know, we're not planning like multiple events and renting space. You know, we kind of did it low budget and focused on the community and the people. And you know, yeah. we were outside and we had to go inside and we we're just hanging out in the lobby Literally of the hotel. Like and I'm like, this is budget. And, you know, maybe could we afford it to rent space? But we didn't. And that's just how we did it. I don't know if it's right or wrong, but.
0: But it's also in line with how we've done everything, which is like, let's see if this is viable. Mm-hmm. We'll do it on like the lower cost side. And then from that experience, you take forward what you learn and change it and spend more money on it and make it bigger, but in the right ways, which is what we're going to do with Calgary.
1: Yeah. And one thing we didn't skimp on in Philly were the schmears. Oh, geez. There were at least six different kinds. I think there may be like eight schmears. (laughs) That was like
0: the schmear to bagel ratio (laughs) is concerning. There was a lot of schmear left over. Yes. Okay. That's enough with that word. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, it's good. And I think that That kind of thing goes a long way. And, you know, you do spend money to make money. And even with delegation, even with like outsourcing, you're still learning a lot. Like you can't outsource everything. And like, for example, and I know we've talked about this a ton, you and me, because we do it nonstop, but like video production and editing, especially for the fitness thing. Like you think about what it would cost
1: to outsource that to a video editor. You don't have to think about it because we tried once. We tried to hire someone for video editing. Yep. And we got the quote and it was... Astronomical. It was like $12,000. For five, if we were to do a video for each coach. Which at that point we had five coaches. It didn't make sense. It broke my brain. I thought yeah. there might've been a mistake. And so now Meredith, I mean, if you see our videos, Meredith does all of that.
0: That was the catalyst. Like I kind of figured out video editing and Adobe Premiere. But after that, I was like, okay, hey, this is gonna be something that I take on. And like, we're able to, we just churn videos out. And for the fitness program, it's just like, oh, we need more movement demos done. Oh, we need to do next week's daily workout video done. Like it just takes no time. I do need to upgrade my computer. But that's
1: probably been our biggest money saver -saver ever. Frankly, I don't think we could have afforded to do all those videos, at least back then. No, no. And that's
0: like the next question is what has been the biggest return on investment? I think that's probably it is the learning how to do that particular task. Yeah. For sure. And then from like a spending standpoint, I think probably the initial rebrand is the biggest return on investment for us and moving to Shopify.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then hopefully starting up this new business will be our next biggest turn on investment. Yeah. TBD. Yeah. This one was a little bit more nerve-wracking. And sometimes I worry about spending money on something that isn't making money yet because we didn't really have to do that with tactic. But then I remind myself that there's a lot of people out there who are starting companies, especially brick and mortar companies, who are taking out huge bank loans. Yeah. And, you know, that's skin in the game. And we thankfully have a business structure that doesn't require that. Yeah. And it's just...
0: Although I'll say, I think sometimes bank loans, it's not skin in the game. I think sometimes people take bank loans for businesses and it feels like monopoly money. And so they aren't responsible with it. And... They don't treat it with the kind of respect that it needs. whereas it's not
1: coming out of your bank account as money made. Yeah. Because we did a business. We're basically essentially doing a business loan. From like tactic nutrition is loaning the startup cost to tactic fitness. Mm -hmm. But it's
0: still like, it's still ours. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Where I think like business loans get people in trouble sometimes. Because then you're like, oh, I just have this. And then you forget you have to pay it back. Mm -hmm. Like you need to treat it like it's yours versus being kind of like self-financed.
1: Did you ever have people, I'm lucky I never had to take out a student loan, but we used to, I used to have people in law school who would get their student loans and then be buying drinks at the bar for everyone. Or someone, they like, what are you doing? Get their student loan. It's not even my loan and I'm getting anxiety from this. They go buy a bike yeah like, what did I mean you just I don't do? want to judge anybody's spending habits. it's like it's their thing, yeah, but I'm just saying like even though I never had a loan, like just from my mom lecturing me about being in debt and what debt means and that sort of thing, that was always anxiety inducing for me, yeah just to watch people and I would say to people oh i'm I'm cheap, I'm cheap or frugal, and I don't think I'm that I think I'm just very careful, I am careful, and I've always been careful, especially with personally and then To some degree, the business. Yeah. A little bit more, I would say, liberal with the business money. Yeah. Yeah. I remember we
0: used to get anxiety when we would use the business card mm -hmm. to pay for things. You thought the CRA was going to show up. I don't
1: want to get audited. Do you know how much effort that is? Well, A, that's why we have a really good accountant.
0: Mm -hmm. And then also, like the people who get audited are spending just like everything on business cards. There's like a threshold where as long as you, if you're not spending over like a certain percentage of your gross income, on like the business, you don't get like the automatic flag and we yeah. don't do that.
1: I feel like we could though because we work so much that it's like or we're always talking about work. Yeah. So like when does tactic start buying Like our I'm bringing up Boobly right now. Yeah. Is this covered by tactic? Should tactic start buying we're our in the office.
0: <laughs> our office is our whole house. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Is our next cat can that be covered under tactic? I don't as think like so. a as an office animal? Maybe. I don't know. We're not getting another cat. So this is a relevant part of the
0: conversation. Okay, I'm asking you a question. What is the most valuable thing that you've learned in this process of business ownership?
1: I would say that it's, we're playing the long game. Hmm. And like these acute changes in expenses or changes in income, it's not a big deal. You just have to, you kind of have to look at the trend, just like we always say with body weight. Like the ups and downs that you see month to month or, you know, spending a little bit more one month It's not a big deal, but the overall trend is what matters. Yeah. So I'm trying over time not to get too caught up in expenses or lower volume months. Mm -hmm. I would say that. That's what I've learned over time and I'm still learning it. Yeah. That's great. What about you?
0: I would say probably that there's a big benefit in staying true to your core values, which we have from inception. I think we've had. A pretty like clear idea of how we want to do things, and you know what we feel good about, what things don't feel good. and this can be, you know partnering with certain businesses or people, or you know saying yes to things that don't feel right. It's the way that we communicate with our clients, It's the way that we communicate online. I think we've always stayed true to our values. and you know, like you said, when you're kind of on the roller coaster of business ownership, you know, even when you're in kind of a low month or low period. Just stay the course, like keep doing what has always worked and it will continue to work. Like, don't change your approach. Don't forego your values or what you believe in just for what feels like a quicker solution, because then you kind of just end up chasing shiny objects around rather than building a sustainable approach that feels good from a like moral and ethical value standpoint.
1: Yeah. We did a podcast two summers ago. So not last summer, the summer before about going viral and -hmm. what that meant for us and what went into that. Like, it seemed like it happened very quickly, but really it was, a, you know, all the previous years were kind of coming to fruition to some degree. Yeah. And one of my clients at the time said that he, I think people look at us and give all this like mindset and nutrition and fitness advice. And they look at us and they say, well, okay, well, I mean, look at you, you know, like, you're already fit. You already have good nutrition. like, And I've had that for pretty much my whole life. But I think he said it was nice to hear that we are practicing and we have practiced what we preach with our business, even though it's not the same as nutrition and fitness. The process is the same. The focus is the same. And the approach is the same. And it's like, we started this from scratch. We didn't know what we were doing. We learned. We listened. We hired mentors. We you know, I mean, how many meetings have we had with other people, yeah. especially early on? Yeah. I mean, we explored a lot of different marketing strategies. And then, you know, we finally just figured out what works and we're still exploring, just like people are still exploring what fitness is best for them, what race they want to run. You know, their diets are changing and evolving. It's really no different, but it's like through the ups and downs, you just keep at it and you play the long game and you don't get too caught up and you don't throw in the towel when you have one bad month or one bad weigh in or you blow up in a race. You just keep going and you have a lot of trust and you believe in yourself. Mm -hmm. I was like a motivational speech. You did well with that. (laughs) I think
0: that's where we end. I think so. This is where we end. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and learning a little bit about, yeah, what's under the hood and what goes into this. Uh, Maybe you run a business for yourself. Maybe you're thinking about it. Sometimes just help to hear how other people do it. So, Thank you for the support. Please like, share, subscribe, and we'll catch you on the next one.